Hi, my name is Joel Knox. I'm the senior pastor at the Vineyard Church of Brenham in Brenham, Texas. I'm so glad you're interested in our podcasts. This media is completely free to you, so you can share it with anyone else, however you'd like. Our church is located at 1401 South Bluebell Road in Brenham at the corner of Tom Green Street next to the Bluebell Creamery and across from the Bluebell Aquatic Center. You can also find us on the web at vineyardbrenham.org and on Facebook and Twitter at Vineyard Brenham. Anyway, thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Well, thank you for being here today. I said a few weeks ago that one of my fears was to come to church on Sunday morning and nobody would show up. So I'm glad you're here because I'm not by myself. Well, that was the song, if you didn't know it already. How many of you knew that song already? That was the song, Come Together by the Beatles. And it was written primarily by John Lennon and credited as a Lennon-McCartney collaboration. It's the opening track on their 1969 album, Abbey Road. It was released as a single coupled with another hit song, a song you might have heard, Something in the way she moves me. Are you Beatles fans? You know, there, there are, I, I've heard it this way. I don't know if this is the case, but there's two types of people in the world. They're either Beatles fans or Rolling Stones fans. <laughs> so I, I don't know how, how, how y'all rate in that here today. It may not necessarily be true. Uh, but uh, Come Together re- reached... The top of the charts in the United States, and it peaked at number four in the UK in 1970. That's a while ago. Well, there's something that can be said about bringing people together. The extroverts among us, how many of you would say you're an extrovert? A few? It's always good to have people around, isn't it? If you're an extrovert, there's always an excuse for a party if you're an extrovert, right? Now, I guess the rest of us would fall in line with being introverts. I'm kind of borderline, so I'm not a good gauge. But if you're an introvert, you know that you can spend a little bit of time with some people, but then you've got to retreat and you've got to... Spend some time by yourself because, you know, it, you don't want to get overloaded. It, you know, too many people around, it, it's, it's just too much. Well, wherever we fall on the spectrum, we can agree that there's a special energy that's present when people come together. Whether it's for a party or for a meeting or even for a church service just like this. Well, I'm continuing our series I didn't think about this until, until I got ready to, to just this morning. The, the series is called Exiles on Main Street. I borrowed that name from the Rolling Stones. And then I used a Beatles song for an opener. But I'm calling this message, When We Come Together, When We Gather. The premise throughout this series has been from the text of Psalm chapter 11, and it says, The foundations of law and order have collapsed. What can the righteous do? 
We've all seen what's happening. Our society keeps straying further and further away from the traditional godly principles into chaos and darkness. If you happen to watch the, the debates from this past week, some of the topics that they brought up in terms of possible policies might have sounded frightening. You want to start talking about taking away tax-exempt status from churches. And, you know, it's, it's a scary thing to, to, to wade into politics nowadays. And as a result, we as Christians find ourselves being referred to as problems, as enemies within our society. And it seems like almost overnight that we've become exiles Refugees, if you will, in our own communities. Well, not long before Jesus was crucified, He told His disciples, If the world hates you, remember, it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own, if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Isn't that nice? Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they listen to me, they would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. Now do you see what Jesus said? It's nothing personal against us. The world hated and rejected Jesus first. But they not only rejected Him, they rejected the Father who sent Him. So we shouldn't be surprised then when the world is rejecting traditional morality and Judeo-Christian values that they're going to treat us as enemies in our society. Jesus said it would happen. It happened to the first century church. And it's still happening all over the world. And we're starting to see it here in the good old U.S. of A. So, how should we respond to what's happening? Should we try to hide? Maybe go underground? Should we revolt and try to take over? You know, revolution. What are the righteous to do? The book we know as Hebrews in the Bible is a letter that was written to Jewish believers in Jesus at a time when the church was facing religious persecution at the hands of the Jews as well as to the Romans. And the writer gave these instructions in Hebrews chapter 10. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now it's, I think it's almost funny that I'm, I'm using this verse the day after the Astros clinched the birth to the World Series. 
And, and I, I posted on Facebook last night, just because you stayed up late to watch the Astros, don't skip church. But so glad you're here today. It's no fun, I think we, at some point in time, I think we've all experienced this, it's no fun to live like an exile or a, a refugee. Loneliness and isolation drives people crazy, literally. If you've ever been in a situation where you were alone, say that you started a new job and you're the new guy or the new girl, or say that you've gone to a brand new school I remember whenever I went off to college as a freshman to Springfield, Missouri. I think about it now, I had no idea what I was thinking. I just wanted to go play football. And I'm having to meet all these new people. And I realized that at some point after I'd been there for a while, I'm here by myself. I made friends and, and that, was, that was a wonderful thing. But, but in, until I did, I felt like I was on an island. I was isolated. I was alone. But if you've been there and you discovered a friend, you discovered a colleague that could stand with you, you know, you make that friend and, and you, you start spending time with that person, you realize, I'm not alone. It's a lot easier to face the things that you, that you run into whenever you're by yourself. It makes it a little bit easier when you've got someone there that you can confide in. Well, as believers and disciples of Jesus, we need the friendship and support of Christians to live this life. Would you say amen to that? And that's why we schedule these services and these small groups that meet throughout the week. And I'll, I'll tell you up front, it takes time to participate in a small group. If, you, if you're attending a small group... Right now, you know that. It's, you come in from work, and then you, you know, maybe woof something down. Or in, in the case of our group, we serve dinner. So if you're looking for something to do on a Wednesday night, we, we actually serve food at our group. And so it would be nice to have you there with us. But it takes time to be part of a community. It takes an investment of time. It takes an investment of resources. And as a church, we don't do these things so we can fill up your calendar. I mean, who needs one more thing to do in the course of the week? Not me. Well, meeting together gives us all, all of us as a church, opportunities to give and to receive ministry and encouragement whenever we come together. And I just want to point out, too, that church isn't... A con it, it's, it's not a, a spectator sport. I started to say it was a contact sport, but that's, that's not, <laughs> that, that's not what, what I had in mind right there. Um, but I think we're all familiar with, with the term, the phrase that we use around here, everybody gets to play. Everyone gets to play. And it's not just a motto. It's not just a slogan. Everybody gets to play. We need the give and the take of relationships with other Christians more than, than I, I think, more than we know. Everyone gets to participate in ministry. And that's, that's something that, that, we, that we, 
we preach, we talk about, and we try to implement as a church that everybody can be part of this thing. Now, in the age of Google, Amazon, Instagram, how many of y'all have used those at least in the last, say, couple of weeks? 24 hours. 24 hours? <laughs> and then there are such things as live streams and podcasts and all this kind of stuff. Some people might argue that there's really no reason to go to church anymore. I mean, you can get everything you need online. I have a subscription to, and I just went blank, Spotify. Wow, can't believe that. Um, I, have a, I have this subscription to Spotify. That's what I played that song over. And I can set up the perfect worship playlist on my Spotify account. The perfect playlist. You don't have to listen to, you know, wrong notes, wrong chords, somebody's voice cracking. It can be the perfect worship set list. <laughs> Do the same thing with iTunes. You know, and you could, you could have your own church service where you just have your own worship. And then, you know, you can go out and you can go to somebody's Instagram or you can go to their, their website and you can, you can watch your favorite preacher on television or online, you know. Joel Osteen, you know, he's got his, his sweeping hand motions and, and that beautiful smile, you know. Yeah, and you have to look at me um, <laughs> with my, my, my spotty beard. Um, but, but you can do that. You can go out and find the perfect worship experience. And for that matter, you could even listen to my sermon online and you wouldn't have to come in here and look at me. But I have to tell you, and this is the, really the point of what I'm getting at this morning, if you're doing church a la carte like that, where you can go out and you can, you can purchase, you can buy that perfect worship experience, the most important part of doing church is missing. And that piece that's missing is called fellowship. Now, Fellowship sounds like a pretty old-fashioned word. And, I, you know, when, when I heard somebody say one time, like, oh, the, the fellowship hall, is there some kind of boat parked outside? You know, is, is this, it, where, where, where are we talking about? Well, that's just the building next door. Or, you know, that's, that's the space that we have in the back. But this old-fashioned word is something that we can, can only find when we come together in a worship service, in a church, in a, in a worshiping community. Fellowship is the communion or the common faith, experiences and expressions that are shared among the family of believers, as well as the intimate relationship that they have with God. And we can't get that anywhere else. You won't be able to, to get fellowship online. I just have to tell you. You know, you might have a crowd cheering in the background, but you're by yourself. That's, that's worship a la carte. When we gather together as the church, God shows up and He pools His resources. I was thinking about this this week. He pools His resources that are present in the gifts that He's given each of us to bless the entire church. Think about that. 
the gifts that He's given all of us. This is something that we're going to be doing as part of Connection going forward, that we're going to be, be doing, what's that thing called? The shape? Just an analysis of our, our spiritual gifts. What spiritual gifts has the Lord blessed you with? What kind of gifts do you have as a person? Because everything that God has given us has been given so that we can bless the church. And that's, that's what we want to be able to do as a church is to, is to invest in those things because when we come together, God pools all of those resources together to be a blessing to the entire body. In a passage from Matthew's Gospel, Jesus told His disciples, I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask... My Father in heaven will do it for you. For where there are two or three gather in, as my followers, I am there among them. So whenever to, we gather together as disciples or exiles, just to follow my theme of Jesus, even in the smallest groups, two or three, He will be there with us. That's what He said. And that means He's here with us now. His presence is already here. He was here before we ever showed up. And we say those kinds of things, but we need to recognize the fact that He's here. He's here with us in the presence of the Holy Spirit. He's here. Now, you might say, Joel... I, I recognize all this, but I have my personal quiet time with the Lord. And I, I connect with God whenever I, I read His Word and, and whenever I'm, I'm alone in my quiet times. Or I have my own private worship time. And I have everything that I need. Why do I need to come together with a bunch of people to experience God's presence? Well, I, 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 before I sound like that I'm, I'm beating up on everybody for having your own personal worship time, we all should have that. We need those, those quiet times. We need those, those times where we get along with the Lord and we develop a relationship with Him. And God wants that kind of relationship with us. But I just want to tell you that there's something that happens when we meet together in a, in a meeting just like this that isn't the same as our personal quiet times. When we meet with God and with each other, that interaction changes us and it transforms us. And God's work in us transforms us and makes us all new people. And that special power comes when we are together in the corporate unity of the Holy Spirit and His church. And Jesus told His disciples in that context, ask me for anything and I will do it for you. I mean, if we really want to see God move, let's get together and let's ask God to do something in His name. Lord, we want to see You touch the city of Brenham. We want to see You branch out into the the county of Washington County. We want to see You use this church to do amazing things in our community. 
when we agree together on something like that, Jesus said, it'll be done. John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, said, and it was neat because we, we, during our, our prayer time before the service, we were praying and, and, and someone prayed this. We don't seek God's power. We seek His presence. His power and everything else we need is always found in His presence. You know, I, I grew up in, in the Pentecostal movement. And, you know, and I also got exposure to the charismatic movement. And, and it, 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 was, it was a thing that people were, were after experiences. You know, it was a big thing there for a while that, you know, if you, if you fell out in the Spirit, that, you know, that, that, was, that was kind of the barometer of you know, what God was doing in the service. You know, and, and, and I, I had people to try to push me over, you know, and, and uh, I'd, I'd lean against them, you know, so that they, they couldn't, couldn't push me over. A couple of times, almost fell forward. But, um, <laughs> but we're, we don't need to seek an experience. We don't need to seek something powerful to happen to us. We just need to seek His presence. We need to be in His presence. We need His presence. We need His presence more than, than we even realize. And we need fellowship, the presence of other believers, more than we realize. Because God uses the two together to do something that, that just won't happen when we're alone. I think David said it best in Psalm chapter 16. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. We need His presence. We need to be in His presence. And we can experience His presence every time we gather together as a church. I've heard people say, that whenever they just get on the grounds of a church, they come to a place and then they open the doors, that they feel God's presence just whenever they walk in. Wouldn't that be awesome for that to be said about us? That whenever we walk through the doors, I don't know what it was, something compelled me to pull in off the street, and it's the presence of God. Vern and Bevan aren't in here, but I, I, and I didn't plan to say this, but um, Thursday night we went over to see Bevan's mother, Mama Jean. And we were talking to her about, you know, she just turned 100 years old. And she's blind and, and has, has difficulty hearing. But we were, we were visiting with her and we were talking and, and, uh, and we asked her, what, what would you like to tell us? And she just began to just pour out. She says, I want your church to experience revival. I want your church to be filled with the power of God. And she just began to go on and on and on and on. And I think everybody in the room was crying before she was done. But there's a little lady that's praying for this church this morning to experience the presence of God. She wants that for us. And... Jesus wants that for us, to experience His presence.
when we come together. I'm pretty much done, but I want to want to do one more thing before we go today. I want to invite the worship team to come back. And we're going to worship because worship leads us into His presence. And it brings His presence to us. So we're going to worship just a little bit and then, and then we've got a couple other things and then we'll, we'll be done for the day.